We have a tr special treat for you tonight. There's a bunch of seats over here on this side. So for all of you guys in the back, feel free to grab some of those. There's some up here in front, actually. So just come make yourself at home. We're so glad you're here. Dwayne Coleman is going to speak tonight. He is the Assistant Director of Master's Commission. But better than that, he's a man of God who has an edge on his life. And I think the things, I know what he's talking about tonight. Um, what he's talking about actually changed my life in January. I had a rough year last year at the end. And the Holy Spirit said, if you will practice what Dwayne's going to talk about tonight, It'll change everything. And I did, and he did. So without any more ado, Dwayne, come and share. Well, it's good to be here again. Uh, I think last time we were in the PA, was anyone here with us when I was in the PA with you guys? Some of you guys, new crowd, cool. Because it's the same sermon, so... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> That's my one-line joke. So um, we're talking about gratitude today. Um, you know, and I just want to start out. I just want to share a little bit about myself. Uh, Dwayne uh, is my name. I did work with Master's Commission kind of in a transition, um, headed back towards the Fresno. So I don't currently work with the Master's Commission here anymore. Thank you so much. Um, and as Aaron was saying, uh, we have a mutual friend who just a week ago passed away. Um, we had the funeral service for him on Friday. And um, he died in tragedy. Death is always tragedy. Um, but sometimes the manner in how you go can make it a lot worse. Um, and he was murdered here in Sacramento. He's from Clovis, such as myself, same age. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it was it's a really weird time for me because for the first 22 years of my life, I never knew what death was like. I didn't really understand it because I'd never experienced anyone dying. All my grandparents are still alive. We just have some good blood. Um, so I look forward to that. But just never, I, a funeral, the whole thing was weird. I, I just, I never really experienced death before. And in the last two years, I've had to experience it five times. So it's been a really difficult process for me learning, okay, you know, God is good, but man, this hurts. You know, God is good, but no one told me about this. This is some, some serious stuff. And I think death is probably, at least for me, I could say the climax of the severity of pain. I, I don't think it really gets much worse than being separated from someone you would say you loved. And um, I've had to deal with it myself personally. Uh, my best of friends losing their dads, two back to back, one their mother, another one their grandmother who was their mother, um, and then recently one of my good friends passing. And I, I just want to share that. I don't really want to make it kind of gloomy, but I just want to keep it real. Uh, and I hope that's okay with you. If we can all keep it real, I think we'll get to a very far place tonight. But I just have to keep it real because sometimes when we have a microphone in the hand, we sometimes think, okay, he's less than a God, but still more than a man. And that's not really true. Uh, I'm just as man, maybe sometimes not as manly even. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like to go to the bathroom in groups. I think it's safe. Um, but... But I say that just to say I'm just as human as you. So when we get into this, please don't let it seem as though I'm preaching 
add anybody, I'm, I'm receiving it just as much, and it's just as difficult for me as it is for you. But we want to be obedient to the word, and this is what the word says. You don't have these scriptures. I apologize. So we'll kind of go through them a little quickly. But if you want to write them down, it's Ephesians 5.20. Paul gives us this mandate. He says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Colossians 3.15 and 17 reads this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Last one. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. So the theme here is obviously gratitude. All the scriptures had to do with being thankful or appreciative. The theme is gratitude. So let's kind of define quickly what is gratitude. Gratitude, thankfulness, or appreciation is a positive emotion or attitude in acknowledgement of a benefit that one has received or will receive. So in other words, it's just being appreciative of something good that's going on or simpler. It's if you add attitude and grateful together, you get gratitude in case you didn't know that. Um, it, and, but really it's the combining of the two words. When you focus in, in life is on being thankful, your mind begins to form towards gratitude. So here's how gratitude works. Cause you're, you're combining, um, being thankful the act of being thankful and, and the mindset of, of an attitude together. So how do I get the attitude of being thankful? It's just literally focusing on that which I'm thankful for. How do I, you know, how do I focus on being thankful? I have to have fuel. What fuels that thankfulness is knowledge, information, whether through an experience or through the word of God of what God is doing for me or what he's going to do for me. By receiving that fuel and acknowledging it, I now can have an attitude that is called gratitude. I'm thankful and I'm focused on it. So now my mindset, my outlook is now completely different than it was before. It changes my outlook depending on what I'm focused on. When you're focused on what God is doing, or we're going to see what happens. But first, let's see what happens when you don't do that. This scripture you do have, Romans chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. And I'll just read that. It says, they did, they did know God, but they did not honor him as God. They were not thankful to him and thought only foolish things. Their foolish minds became dark. They said that they were wise, but they showed how foolish they were. They gave honor to false gods that looks like people who can die into birds and animals and snakes. This honor belongs to God who can never die. So God let them follow their desires of their sinful hearts. They did sinful things among themselves with their bodies. They traded the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and cared for what God made instead of worshiping the God who made it. He is the one who is to receive honor and thanks forever. Let it be so. Amen. Okay. So we're just going to break this down. This is, this is real simple. How many of you guys like school and math? Cool. Well, this is the right crowd because I didn't like it either. So, <laughs> so we're just going to break this down real quick. Romans, okay. It says... If we could go back to the first one, it said they did know God. So, that, so at one point, 
They, they, they knew God. They understand, okay, God, here you are. You're here. But they did not honor him. Or, or in some versions, it'll say, but they did not give thanks. They did not worship him. They were not thankful towards him. Oh, it says that. They were not thankful and thought only foolish things. Or in some versions, I like the way it words it. As it says in mine here, the NLT is a little bit different. Um, but it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. That's probably the first most important part of this verse is they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Now, why would anyone think up foolish things of God if they already knew who he was? If they knew who he was, why are they now creating foolish or if we could keep it real, stupid ideas about who God is? And before we go any deeper, please don't allow this message to sound exclusive to those who don't know Christ. Because as it says, it says they knew God. So this relates to just about everybody in here. So, so they knew God, but, but something took place which caused them to have to create foolish ideas of who God was. And I'm going to explain this to you. When you remove thankfulness, you're removing the image of God. Like, well, how, how's that work? Let me explain this. You're ready to say amen because it's going to get you. <laughs> so he says, thankfulness is what? We got to remember what, what is gratitude? What, it is, what does it mean to be grateful? It means you're, you're, you're acknowledging what? The benefit, right? The goodness that you are receiving or going to receive, right? So if I'm not being thankful, that means I'm not acknowledging the benefit or the goodness I'm receiving. Now, once I take away the goodness of God, I'm now taking away the very thing that helps me derive who he is. We'll do it again. Okay. So I'll say it slower. So thankfulness, gratitude is the art, if you will, of acknowledging something good and beneficial towards you. And being appreciative of it, something good, receiving it and saying, okay, thanks, you know, big pops. Okay, that's how, that's how it goes. Now, when I remove that, I'm taking away all the evidence of how I know who he is to be who he is. So now my mind has to begin to formulate foolish ideas of who God is. And if you remember my opening statement, if I don't have the evidence from being thankful of who God is, and I just go off what I went through the past two years, just imagine the God I would have. I would have no choice but to think of my God as a God who kills people for fun. I had a cool 22 years, but now life hits. I don't know. God's getting crazy. He's just taking people out. I, it's foolish, right? We, we, we can hear that and say it's foolish, but we do these type of things. We forget to be thankful and we get put into a position and say, ah, God must just not like me. I must be part of the, the rotten pot because there's a scripture for that, right? There's not, in case you didn't know. There's, there's no Ron Pot scripture. <laughs> but we begin to thank these things because we forgot who our God was because we weren't being thankful. So now I don't know who he is. And all I have is my experiences of this terrible place called Earth where the sin is rampant. And I'm now basing off the, the enemy's work on Earth to formulate who my God is. And so the scripture is saying they became foolish in their thinking. It was stupid because we forgot to be thankful and their foolish minds became dark. Whereas in my version says it confused and dark. And this is crucial because 
we need to see what God is doing because when I can see, and I need to be thankful for what God is doing because when I'm thankful, it allows me to see what he's doing. And when I remember what he's doing and I'm seeing what he's doing, it allows me to know who my God is. Every name that we have for God, starting in the Hebrew to the Greek, is derived out of something God did. He created, therefore, he's the creator. He provided, so we shall call him the provider. My favorite one, we call him Emmanuel because there was a time we were separated from God and Jesus comes in and says, now I'm with you. You can be excited. That's probably the best name I can think of. (laughs) But, But we don't get that unless we're consistently being thankful for what he's done. I need to see God to understand what my God is doing. If you're, it's how we really base everything, right? How do you know if someone's a preacher? He's preaching. It is easy, right? Okay, let's keep going. How do you know if someone's a basketball player? You see them play basketball, right? You know, some of us say we, we are basketball players, but then you see them on the court, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's all right. God is, God's love is bigger than that, so it's all good. If you remember, for those of us who, who were here the last time I spoke, and if you weren't, I'm sure we all know the story of the prodigal son. Why did the son go back home? Remember, he was with the pigs in the mud, and it was nasty, and it was icky. And he said, but I remember the generosity of my father towards the servants. He remembered the generosity of his father towards the servants. It was that action that allowed him to say that generosity, maybe I could tap into that. So he goes back home and says, Father, I've sinned. Can I get back in? And the generosity was much greater than he could ever perceive. And he got back in, right? We remember that. But it's because he remembered something he saw his father do. His father gave abundantly to the servants. So it's by what you do that we get to see who he is. Because God's actions streamline with his heart, his very nature. The greatest example of this is Jesus himself, which Colossians chapter 3 teaches us, is the full expression of who God is. Some, some people missed it and thought he was a carpenter. He said, no, I'm not a carpenter. I'm here to reconstruct the human heart. I'm here to do that. Some are like, oh, oh, I thought you just built chairs. No, I build relationships. Oh, I thought you were just here to temporarily hang on a cross. No, I'm here to eternally hang out with you. You, Come on. Come on. So let's go to the next verse, Colossians 2.6, because it's going to help us understand, okay, how how do I prevent from ever getting trapped into a situation where I forget to be thankful for what God is doing. Or if I'm already there, if I've forgotten, how do I get back there? What's, what's the recipe for success here? Colossians 2, Paul has us covered, and he says this. As you have put your trust in Christ Jesus the Lord to save you from the punishment of sin, now let him lead you in every step. Have your roots planted deep in Christ, grow in him. Get your strength from him. Let him make you strong in the faith as you have been taught. For life should be full of thanks to him. And I think that's the whole thing. And I just, I just want to read this quickly out of the version I have here because it's, it's a little bit different. But I like what it says. Same verse, though. 
And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So basically what Paul is saying, the recipe for life is here, is you have acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Now let him be your foundation for life. May everything be built on top of that truth. And then as you continue to grow in him, you will learn his trustworthiness. First, you have to place trust in him, and then you will learn his trustworthiness, which will result in you always being thankful. But we need to understand what trust is, because a lot of times we get that confused. How many of you believe me if I was to tell you two plus two equals four? Raise your hand. Anybody believe me? Okay. Now keep your hand up if you already knew that. There's a lot less of you than I thought would know that. Okay. <laughs> Two plus two equals four, but it took zero amount of trust for you to believe that. Why? Because you knew that. But that's how we like to work with God sometimes, isn't it? Okay, I'll trust you. Just show me how it's going to work first. Yeah. Huh? No, I I trust you. Just bring the map down here with Gabriel and we'll we'll walk through it. And then, yeah, it'll be good to go. I just need to, what am I wearing that day? How's that going to work? Is he going to be here? And then I'm there. I just, I I need to know. that, that's, that's not trust. That's you already knowing and excluding any help from me. Trust says, okay, now we got to partner up because without you, I don't know how that's going to happen. There's a difference there. So we need to trust God. And he says, as you trust, you will learn my trustworthiness. In other words, that's an attribute. You will learn my character. And in learning my character, it's going to cause you to say, <laughs> hey, man, it's good. It's good. I'm keeping it real with you. In the beginning, I spoke from an experience, and I'm still speaking from experience. This isn't all scripture. I'm I'm testimony, too. I'm live testimony. This is live testimony coming from you, Dwayne Coleman, 24 years old. The live testimony, okay? So Colossians 2.6, it gives us the remedy. Jesus says, or I'm sorry, Paul says that we need to lay down. Jesus Christ is our foundation and grow in him, trust in him, allow himself to be proven trustworthy, and we will naturally be thankful. And we're going to look at an example of that in Genesis of a man named Joseph who shows us the other side of being grateful. It's on the screen, but we're not going to look at it just yet. So the first thing gratitude does is it helps us understand who our God is. It gives us clarity on this is my God. This is my heavenly father. The second thing it does, it gives me clarity on what God is doing. And when I can see what God is doing, it allows me to partner up and to play my role appropriately. A lot of times in life, something happens and we look and we say, why? When God is waiting for us to look and say, okay, what do I need to do? What's what's my role in this position? And if we understand what God's doing, we we can be an adequate partner playing our role and our position just as he planned. But a lot of times we miss out because we don't realize what God's doing. So this is gonna be cool. Okay let's, okay, let's get into it. Okay, Genesis 39, verse 2 through 3. I'm sorry, don't read that yet. We're not there yet. I got to give you, because I don't know if everyone knows the story of Joseph. Joseph is a little brother. You got any little brothers in the house? No, don't be ashamed. You made it this far. Come on. So I'm an older brother, so I don't relate to Joseph as much because, you know, it was my way or you didn't make it. Um, but I had a younger sister, so it's easy. Um, but Joseph's a younger brother, and... Uh, you know, he's given these dreams by God, showing that he's going to be a man of, of great power and great authority. Shares it with his bros, 
and you guys have younger brothers, you know how it is. Little brother says it's going to be better than you. He's going to start on varsity before you, something like that. You got to smack him around. Don't be talking like that. So, of course, his brothers aren't liking it, and he was highly favored by his dad. So his brothers decide to kill him, but one of his brothers like, dude, that's just too much, so let's just sell him. So he gets sold into slavery. Crazy, right? This is, man. Um, gets sold into slavery, and then slavery leads to imprisonment. Um, but we're going to look at first the, the word slavery and imprisonment, these two sections, because for a lot of us, you know, if we know anything about slavery or prison, those words are pretty synonymous with hell, right? I mean, it's, it doesn't get much worse than that. When I learned the history of, you know, what happened in our own country, you know, with uh, Africans being taken here, and I look at the slavery, I, I, I honestly can't even put my, it, it sounds so far-fetched because I can't understand how that would be possible, how you could even survive such a, a tragic situation being pulled out of whatever lifestyle you had, taken away from your family. I mean, when you think about it, think about, let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. As much as we know slavery, when you're, you're with your family, you're with society, you're with a world, a paradigm where you understand how things work. I'm a little brother. I eat last. I'm, I'm cool with that, though. I understand. I will eat. Okay? <laughs> It'll be a small portions, but there will be something. He's stripped out of that, put in slavery. I mean, if you know anything about slavery, once you're there, it's like goodbye to that life. Like, it's, you, there's no way of going back. You wouldn't even know how to get back because they take roads and there's deserts and there's fields. It's just crazy, right? If we know anything about slavery, it's just, it's like a finale of really murder would kind of be better because at least I wouldn't have to live with the memory of knowing that I'm not where I used to be. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a tragic, crazy situation. I don't know how you could ever find an inch of gratitude in slavery. You know what I mean? It's like, God, you mean you didn't let them kill me? <laughs> That's messed up. Um, so slavery is pretty bad. Okay. Sla slavery, I mean, it's, it's the lowest form of low that you can get in human society. It's so low that we stripped it out of our human society, right? It's, it's bad. So he gets put into slavery, his paradigm, his world, everything is shifted. Nothing is as it was when no, with pretty much almost a guarantee that it never will go back to the way it was. And here's what it says, Genesis 39, 2 through 3. The Lord was with Joseph and all went well with him. He was in the house of his boss, the Egyptian. Now his boss saw that the Lord was with him. He saw how the Lord made all that Joseph did go well. In my version, it says he was successful. This is, this is important because earlier, as we, as we read, I think we read it, did we not? Um, Oh, Romans 1, 21 through 25, I didn't read it all. Uh, but if we were to continue reading, it says God abandoned them to do their shameful things. They, they had foolish ideas of who God was. And because of your mindset, it's going to dictate your behavior. They started doing lustful, evil, dark things. And God abandoned them and says, you know what? You can have it. Do your thing. They were abandoned, right? Okay, because they weren't thankful. Here, Joseph's in tragedy. He's in slavery, the worst thing we could imagine, right? And it says the Lord is with him. And to such a degree that he was successful in everything he did, which gives us insight that Joseph must not have lost his gratitude because obviously God don't hang with those who forget him. But it's saying, oh, I'm with Joseph. I'm with him in full effect and everything he's touching in this house is prospering. So despite slavery, we can see that Joseph has not lost his identity of God. And we're going to continue to see these traces. We're just going to, we're going to look at the, the little, uh, what do you call it when you're walking in snow? The footprints. Thank you. The footprints that Joseph leaves, or the breadcrumbs 
that Joseph leaves behind for us. So the next slide should be Genesis 39, 21 through 23. Do we have that? No, we don't have that. That's fine. I'll read this one. Genesis. Well, we don't need to read it. It just says in Genesis chapter 39, 21, verse Verse 21 through 23, it says the Lord was with Joseph in prison. What happened is Joseph was the head of everything in Potiphar's house because he had been doing things well, but Potiphar's wife wanted to get with him. You understand? Okay. Um, Joseph says, no, I'm not having it because I remember who my God is. I understand his standard and I'm trying to live to please my father. Sorry, thanks, but no thanks. And she says, no, you don't understand here. I'm in control. It's happening. So she pulls his jacket he runs off and she frames him, tells her husband he tried to do things to me. And so he gets put in prison. So now you're like, dang, slavery, prison. And this goes on for about 13 years. Combine slavery and prison for 13 years. Out of being taken out of everything you knew, a world that you were okay with, now you're in slavery and prison. But it says in Genesis 39, 21 through 23, pretty much the exact same thing it said earlier. The Lord was with Joseph. But he continues and says, and there he showed Joseph his faithful love. I love it. He says, he, there he showed him his faithful love. We got to go back again. What did it say earlier in Colossians? It said, trust me and you will see what? That I'm trustworthy. If you trust me, I will show my trustworthiness to you. So Joseph is still remaining thankful, gratitude. God, I'm with you. I see you. I trust you. No, no sweat. Slavery to prison, my location does not change our relationship. We are strong. We are bound together. I see you. And God says, I see you too. Here's my faithful love. I'm with you. And it says in the prison, he succeeded in everything he did. I don't even know how you succeed in prison. I guess laundry, he was just, he had the best detergent. He had anointing on his detergent. His stuff was fresh. Okay. And so the warden's like, dude, no one's ever done laundry like you. You're in charge of everything in here. Okay. You get to eat with the correctional officers. You, you eat in here. You lounge out with us. So she's like, all right, it's all good. Then two guys come in, one of them who's of importance, the king's cupbearer, got in some trouble. So he's in prison doing some time. He has a dream. Joseph interprets the dream for him and says, hey, good news. You're going to be back with the king. And when you go back, if you don't mind, put a good word in. You know what I mean? Resume. This is what I can do. You know, let, let him know. He says, I got you. Goes back, forgets about Joseph for two years. Then the pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer says, oh, yeah, I remember in prison I was bunking with this one guy and he could interpret dreams. Maybe he could do it for you. So he calls Joseph up. Joseph comes up and it's cool. I got to read this. I wasn't planning on reading this, but I think it's kind of cool. Or, you know, we won't read it for the sake of time. But this whole everything I'm talking about, Genesis 37 through 45. So if you want to read the story of Joseph, chapters 37 of Genesis to 45, you can check it. And no, I'm not lying to you making this up. Uh, it's not the Dwayne Coleman version. It's real. So, so the cupbearer tells the Pharaoh, Pharaoh brings Joseph, and then he says, hey, I heard you can interpret dreams. I got a real big one. I need you to do some work for me. And Joseph looks at him, and Joseph, Joseph says, it's impossible for me, dude. I can't do it. But the Lord can do it for you and set your mind at ease. Okay, that's key. Because Joseph didn't have this big book we got in front of us. Okay? So Joseph don't know about the story about Joseph and how God did work in his life. Okay? He don't know that yet. 
So the only way Joseph knows God has the ability to put him at ease is if what? God put him at ease, right? He's saying, I can assure you my God can give you peace because he gave me peace. Trust me, Pharaoh, you don't have to sweat this. I see you dripping because none of the magistrates and all these wise guys can figure it out. But trust me, I've been through some things. I was in slavery. Then I was doing good. And then I got put in prison. I've been through some things. But God peaced me out through the whole thing. It's good. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're on the corner and people are, never mind. Anyways, he's assuring him God can give you peace. And he's saying that out of his own experience from experiencing the peace with God. So he does it. Long story short, he becomes the number two man of everything in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. That's the only person he answers to. So now he's living the dream, right? God did what he said he was going to do. He's excited. He's happy. And a lot of us would think, whoa, that's, that's a great way to end the story, man. Dude, that's, that's awesome. He got the dream. He got there. We all love those stories beyond the glory. Oh, this is how he made it. Awesome. God, you're good. But there's more. All right, there's more. Okay. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> so this is what happens. The last chapter of this story. Um, Joseph now is confronting his brothers. He's now found his brothers. His brothers traveled to a distant land because there's, there's a famine. They hooked up with him. They don't know that Joseph is their Joseph, right? Because he's got a wig on. He looks crazy. Um, he looks probably looks good now for once. Um, and so they don't recognize him. And so finally, Joseph does some things with them, but now he's presenting himself saying, hey, this is me, your brother. And this is what he says. He says, Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me. So they came near and he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. But do not be troubled or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here before you to save your life. Now, let me tell you something that you read, but you didn't realize. When we were just reading verse 37 up to 45, didn't it tell us that he was in slavery and in prison? That, that's what the book said, right? And this is key, if you can catch this, okay? The book told me he was in slavery and in prison. He was in slavery and in prison for a total of 13 years. Joseph was in slavery and prison for 13 years, okay? But Joseph is saying, he doesn't mention anything about slavery or imprisonment. What he says is God sent me here. He doesn't even acknowledge that they did it. He says God sent me here to save you. Joseph is acknowledging, no, I was in slavery. No, I don't remember that. Prison, I don't remember that. Bro, I've been in school and in preparation for the last 13 years, bro, because I, I was promised something and he had to build me up for it. Now, if you can catch, because a lot of times people will look at your life and they'll say, hey, bro, you're in slavery, man. Hey, bro, you're in prison, man. Man, your life sucks, man. Dude, your God did what? Dang. Five people, two years, man, it's long, forget that, right? But you have to be able to perceive, God, what are you doing? Because the world would look at my situation and say, yeah, that's slavery. But if I'm looking at what you're really doing, I'm able to say, oh, school time. Check in, 9 a.m., okay, I'm ready for class. The world said, I'm in prison, but I wake up and I say, ah, more preparation because whew, I got a lot of people to save one day. If you can watch by being thankful and acknowledge what God has done and is doing, it gives you clear identity of who he is, clarity. It will allow you to see what he's currently doing and prepping you for, what it gives you the ability to get enthusiastic and excited for what's about to happen. So no longer should you be what people call, oh, I'm in a season of waiting. What you waiting on? 
<laughs> the spirit is here. They said, wait for the spirit, and then the spirit is here. It's time to move. <laughs> that mandate wasn't for us. It was for them. The spirit, we're born now in the generation where the spirit's here. Spirit's here. Move. Get moving. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm waiting. <laughs> you know, God, God, God's got to get some things ready, and then, you know, then, then he's going to talk to me. But until then, until then, I'm just going to talk to this little sugar mama right here. Huh, how you doing? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting on God, too. Okay, let's wait together. Okay. I'm just keeping it real. Me too. Me too. Right? But God's ready. God, God is ready. God is ready for you. For you as an individual, as you specially made by his very hands in your mother's womb. He's ready for you, for you and him to link up and for him to begin to show you who he is so you can learn who you are and you can begin together to live this life the way he's called you to live, to touch the lives he's called you to touch. He is ready. All that it takes for us to first sing that song, uh, Amazing Grace, because that's something we can all relate to, we can all acknowledge, and we can all be thankful. I am a wretch, but you saved me. If you have nothing else to be thankful for, we all are in that boat. <laughs> I messed up. I sinned. Yep. Uh-huh. I sinned on my way in here. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. We, we messed up, right? I'm a wretch, but you saved me. So if I have nothing else, I'm going to start right there. I'm going to start with being thankful for that and let that begin to form the image of who my God is. He's so merciful that despite all these nasty things that I did, he still claimed me as his own. And I'm going to start there and begin trusting in him to show me the rest. And if we do that, we not only get to know who our God is, we not only get to know who we are, but we get to begin to live, to really live, not exist anymore, and not to play church and pretend, well, this is how they did it across the street, so maybe it's how we should do it here. But I really get to begin to be a part of what God is wanting to do in my area, in my world. So no longer should we be waiting, we should be activated. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you, got, you got time? You pull out a chair. We're about to get into it. What am I doing? God is doing some stuff. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the knowledge and the wisdom that you share, the mysteries that you unveil. There is so much for us still to learn. And I pray that you would just give us an excitement and an enthusiasm to go out there and to learn it, to discover it. I pray that your spirit would continue to give revelation, to give understanding of who you are, for all of us individually as we just walk out of here and live our lives, God. But I pray we wouldn't just go out there existing, but we would really live as you begin to show us what's really going on in our world, what you are doing so we can play our position accordingly. God, we want to live with you. We, we, you said you're Jesus, you are Emmanuel, you are God with us, not God looking down. You are God side by side, heart and heart, you're with us. So begin to energize us and, and activate us so that we can begin to live life and be who we were always destined and designed, crafted by you to be. We thank you so much that your love is so big, that your mercy is so wide. God, do what only you can do as we give thanks to you, that you just begin to accurately form yourself in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray.